Oh boy, some of the things that we talk about in between podcasts <laughs> is fairly interesting too. You know. All right. Well, you want to do the intro? Jeff? Yeah, I I'll, I'll do the intro. Yeah, do it. The, uh, have you turned the music? I'm not hearing any music in my headset. You, you want the music? That? Oh, I didn't know. I thought maybe you want to start the intro and then. You know. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead and start. You the want music. the music? I'll, okay. I'll the All right. So we can do that. My daughter. Thank you for do listening it. to the Fields Brothers That's show. My daughter introducing us. Such a pleasant voice. <laughs> and the mother of five of my grandchildren. So, but welcome to the Fields Brothers Show podcast. My name is Jeff Fields. I am here with my brother Roger. We are coming to you from Central Kentucky. Uh, we have written a book. Uh, we, we forget to mention that many times, but uh, Breaking the Hex, Life with God After the Cross Killed Religion. It's based loosely on the message of the book of Galatians. You can find that on Amazon for the low, low cost. Based loosely? Uh, I think there. it's pretty tight in with the book well, of Well, the Galatians. phrase comes from the uh, what the message oh, the Bible fra- used to the say about Breaking the, the Hex. Okay. Yeah, we talk about other right. stuff. So. But uh, we're, we, we genuinely appreciate you listening to us. One thing I want to mention, I'm not going to name any names, but we, we got... What are you laughing at? This is serious. I mean, we generally appreciate. We don't. We sincerely appreciate. What did you I listen. say? General, did... We generally appreciate. Like I think sometimes I said we gen- do. I meant to say genuinely. We, I thought you said genuinely. <laughs> I said generally. Well, I know. I meant to say okay. genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! So, There's no tell where this podcast yeah, is going. So now you okay. Know, you know this is, right, these are right. unedited for sure. But um, anyway, we genuinely appreciate you listening to our podcast. We got a touching message uh, recently from a. Um, young lady whose father uh, died kind of tragically in an accident back in the spring and evidently he he really liked our podcast liked our book and would often tell others i was vaguely familiar with him through facebook and he had messaged us himself one time last year and uh, he was in his early 60s so not old but um his daughter uh, messaged us uh, recently and just talking about how much he enjoyed what we had to say and how he would tell others and and um so anyway, it's, it's been very meaningful, and that's you know that's why we do so this we, type of you thing. You want to his name out, or I mean, give it, no, I don't think we okay. need to do that. All right. but, okay, um, but it's you know that's why we do this. Yeah, it is because it really occasionally is. we hear things. It's not for the money. There. We know that. Okay. I want to need before I forget the uh, the retreat. I want to mention I didn't mention that in the last podcast. Right. So uh, we have the Fields uh, brother or brothers. It's yet to be known whether or not Roger will be making a cameo <laughs> appearance, but November. <laughs> Seventh uh, through the ninth, a Tuesday through thirty Thursday in the Smoking Mountain area. That's in Tennessee, uh, a little south of Knoxville. And right now we got between twenty five and thirty that have said they're coming. Thirty um, ish is kind of our max. So uh, if you're interested in coming, uh, email me Jeff at thefieldsbrothers.com. Um, Phelan Daughtry from Ireland um is going to be there and I, I had his great zoom meeting i told you about the other day with him and i learned that his first name is pronounced phalem uh, i wasn't sure if it's phalem or phalem i've been saying phalem and and he confirmed that that is i think i told you how he yeah how he tells people yeah. he said it's like yeah. taking tests sometimes you pass them sometimes you fail them yeah and so um looking forward to that phalem and his wife will be there as well uh nicola and so really looking forward to that time so yeah, um, he's a great teacher there, there's it's, great. it's there's a host home and we're going to be there sunday i think i told you that uh, Teresa and i are going down this sunday to that area we're going to spend a few days taking josiah with us and uh we're going to visit this yeah. home they've agreed for us to come by sunday afternoon so um no cost of the conference but you'll be on your own for um hotel and we're not going to have any meals there at the home so we'll be dismissing yeah. for meal times and come back and all that so it'll be tuesday evening through thursday morning november 7th through the Ninth, the first initial inaugural Fields Brothers retreat. So, good people. Uh, I hope so I'm we'll there see. with you. <laughs> we'll see. I've got a few different things, but I've been talking a lot, so I wanted well, to let me you, you know, I'm still fascinated. I know I've brought this up three or four times before, but I have just one other thing to say about this. I'm still fascinated by this thought of how 
what the book of Acts is about. This okay. has really got me. That the book of Acts is not a doctrinal book, number one. Don't get your doctor from Acts, but it is a, a, a scriptural account of how Christianity, how faith in Jesus moved from just being a Jewish sect, just a part of Judaism, into its kind of own thing. So here's what I, here's what, I, you know, I've, and I mentioned this before, but now I'm getting ready to say something I haven't said before. Is it starts off with Peter basically telling the Jews that y'all really messed up. I mean, you're, you killed the Messiah. God finally brought you the Messiah, and you've killed him. Of course, they repent. A lot of them repented anyway, and that's kind of how the church got kicked off. Then you have story after story of how the, the church begins to bring in uh, Gentiles. You know, you have mm-hmm. the Ethiopian who gets converted, but he goes back home, so he's not a big issue. Then you got Cornelius, and and then Paul gets into this thing, and he's going to, but he's still going to a lot of synagogues. He's going to, and that's usually how he starts. He goes to town, goes to synagogues. So he's teaching Jews and Gentiles, and you get this mix, and you get this council in in Acts fifteen. What do we do with the Gentiles who are uncircumcised? You got that whole thing. So I mean, they didn't so, get. It's not like they got everything instantly on the day of oh, Pentecost. No. I mean, it was this a process. A but here's what you get when you get. So how do, do you know off the top of your head? If I ask you, how does the Book of Acts end? Do you know how it ends? Well, I remember that Paul's teaches about the kingdom of God or okay, something. Okay, that's the last statement yeah. okay, he makes. So he's in prison and people are coming well, to him or something Well, he's like in that. a house. Yeah, he's in Rome. Okay, okay. yeah. It's kind of, kind of a self-enforced so prison. So here's right? how it ends. Okay, let me show you the book of Acts ends. <laughs> so in Tell general, me how it ends. So right? like in verse 17 on down, it says, first of all, they say, Paul says that they um, there was no reason for him to be held, but the Jews objected. He was arrested, and so he was compelled to appeal to Caesar uh, because he was a Roman citizen, so he yeah. gets brought to Rome. Okay, now they they meet with him. Some of the the Jewish scholars, because he asked him over, and they said, "We know about this sect because everywhere it's spoken against." That's what the the Jewish ruler mm-hmm. said. Okay, so it says now in verse, it says some were convinced of what Paul said, but others disbelieved. Okay, the disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. So Paul makes this statement: "The Holy Spirit was right in saying your fathers through the prophet Isaiah." Go to this people and say, you indeed hear, but you'll never understand. You'll see, but you'll never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. So it's kind of, a, you know, it's pretty rough on them. Um, with ears, they can barely hear. Their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal them. It says, let it be known to you. So here's Paul's really final statement. Okay. He says, let it be known to you that this salvation from God has now been sent to the Gentiles, for they will listen. So basically, it's a, you know a book of how the Christians who were all originally Jewish began to be a mixture, and how basically the focus did mm-hmm. become. By the time you get to the end of the book of Acts, became focused really on the Gentiles. There was so much pushback from a lot of the Jews that Paul basically had had it. And so it's, that's when it says, after right after that, uh, there's two verses left in, uh, in Acts where he says um, that he, he, um, he, he's in his house and he preaches um, without hindrance the kingdom of God and what does he say? The, um, um, the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God without, with boldness and without hindrance. Yeah. Okay? And so, but you have this whole transition. And I just may, it just, I don't, it just amazes me that I have not seen that before. You know, there the, is, you know. yeah, the whole old covenant to new covenant. I'm sure we, I don't appreciate it as much as, as, as I should, and, and I've grown in appreciation from that. You know, I think, and that's what so much of 
the whole New Testament is about. But and I thought the other day that it, you know, if there's if there's a single point in time, yes, it's the cross, the shedding of blood. But there's another sense where it was a forty year. Oh yeah. Transition. So when Jesus starts teaching, yeah. Now you know again, the New Covenant didn't start till the technically to the cross and all that, right. but, but he starts teaching about it. Oh, a lot yeah. of his teaching did reflect new covenant realities oh, yeah. and all that. And then they had well, the cross. Like John, well, John says that, you know, I love this scripture where Jesus John talks seven. about, yeah, of yeah. you for rivers of living water. Then John says, he's talking about what's going to happen when the Holy yeah. spirit is given. All right, go ahead. Or a lot of the parables, the kingdom of God is yeah, like, right, you know, right. um, and, and those, you know, it's not what the kingdom of God is going to be like. You know, mm-hmm. it's, here's what the kingdom of God's like now. Mm-hmm. You know, you, have, you can't see it all. And, but, but then, you know, the, the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. So in my mind, it's kind of like it was a 40-year process. You know, from Jesus started teaching ballpark, well, I guess he was probably crucified in 30 AD, but, you know, give or take a few years, you know. Mm-hmm. When he started teaching, then the cross, and then the fall of Jerusalem, the kind of was the final thing. And so that, that was a dramatic shift and thinking and the other thing that came to mind when you mentioned that i think for too long i've kind of seen that well i don't have anything against gentiles you know those jews how could they you know mm-hmm. that was they were kind of boy they were exclusive and, and they didn't like the gentiles how bad of them but i think we do a lot of the same thing oh yeah you know if yeah. someone hasn't jumped through the hoops that we think they ought to have jumped and we're saying you know no they are they are not children of god they can't and then you know i'm, I'm realizing that there's more um we have let's put it this way i, I have more in common with unbelievers than I used to think I did. Mm-hmm. So not that, you know, well, supporting to come to faith and all that. But and it wasn't just that, you know, what thing. Paul was doing with, was not just unbelievers, but these are people who wanted to put him in jail, who really opposed his message. Yeah. Mean, they really wanted to, you know, they wanted him out of the way. They want him dead or in jail and everything. And he just, he got tired of it. I mean, he just did, you know, he said, I'm, I'm now taking this to the Gentiles. So, well, I've got a few things here. Can I go ahead? Yeah, jump go in ahead. a couple of things. Yeah. Um, where do I want to start here? Re- reading them. Um, just a phrase here. I've been listening a lot to Bruce Walkup. I sent you the one video. So Walkup is W-A-U-C-H-O-P-E. He is from Australia. If you listen to him, if you look up videos on YouTube, look up Bruce Walkup. I warn you, he's from Australia. And there's a word or two that, that we consider profanity that they do not consider profanity over there. So kind of have to keep that in mind and listen to it. But um, he had a great phrase talking about how we tend to put on mask and we, we don't face the reality of what's going on in our lives at times you know even though we, yes we're complete in christ yes we are totally righteous and all that but at the same time every one of us have parts of our thinking and parts of something in us that is still not in line with the love of god that hasn't quite seen the love of god so right, but I agree. but then but when we what religion does is tends to just push that down mm-hmm. and to deny it and the phrase he's used was everything is plastic fantastic I like that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, th- that kind of describes a lot of the modern day church. Plastic, fantastic. Well, how you do? Oh, you know, that we have to say these things and all that. But he got talking about the conscience. And I don't know that we've ever talked much about that in the podcast. But, but he's pointing out how, you know, the conscience has a place. But when we're kind of eating from the wrong tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we mistake our conscience for God. Mm-hmm. And our conscience is not God. And he points out three different verses in Revelation 12 that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So, I mean, if our conscience is constantly accusing us, that's not the voice of God. Right. That, that you know, God is not holding our sin against us, 2 Corinthians 5. Then the other verse, or another verse in John 3, 1 John 3, 20, talks about if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. 
Um, but then Hebrews ten twenty two. That's an interesting statement too. I've always yeah. And so again, it's it's not that you know, your heart can it, condemn you, but God's bigger than that anyway. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the and, and it's not saying that those things are right. It's not saying yeah. that behavior doesn't matter. We're not saying that. Yeah. But it's saying God is not accusing us of that. Yes, He wants to free us from that, yeah. but He's not accusing us of that. But then there's a real interesting verse, and I remember this, but I don't think I'd really thought about this in Hebrews ten twenty two. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Evil conscience. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. The conscience can be evil. So to uh, sprinkle from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And so when we don't know the love of Christ, and he describes it as a woodpecker in your head, and I thought that was pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. woodpecker just bang, 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 bang. Just constantly think about how many believers well, that is a good wrongly – yeah. are just constantly battered every day by their conscience. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not it's not that conscience doesn't have a place, but the conscience needs to serve Jesus, needs to come underneath the truth of, of who Jesus is and how religion and the enemy uses our conscience against us. And, there, and then we talked about the loop that runs in your head. You yeah, know? yeah, it that type of thing. And so, I mean, conscience can be evil in that regard. Um, and then our, you know, our justification is not through our conscience. Right. You know, sometimes we, I remember years ago when I would kind of like, my, my spiritual highlights was when I would attend some conference or a retreat. I bet a lot of people have had this experience. You know, you go on a weekend retreat or you go to a conference and you're just absorbed in that the whole week. And you feel like you've gone three days without feeling guilty. Because <laughs> you, yeah. you didn't think about anything other than God mm-hmm. for three days. And so you think, man, that was... Man, I felt so good. I felt because my conscience didn't bother me at all. But then, you know, you can't live there forever. And then, you know, even if you did, it still wouldn't work. You come back, and all of a sudden, your conscience, you know, the woodpecker starts back up, back, 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 you know, in your head. And, and, you know, the point is that our justification is not through our conscience. Our justification is through Christ and what he did. Right. And, and, and his relationship with the Father is our relationship with the Father. I mean, the, the conscience so, can work the wrong way on, on either direction. In other words, you can do something that really, you really shouldn't be doing and your conscience may think, oh, that's fine. Yeah, there can, can be a, the other like way. A, like a seared conscience. Yeah, and it can right, go the right, other that's way. That's not good where, either. Yeah, uh, that's not where good your conscience either. is always beating you up, which is probably what most... But the right place for conscience is not, you know, not based on, um, you know, morality, but it's based on life. You know, does that come from life? With the, the God within us. Um, that reminds me of something else. I thought, uh, tell me if you've thought of this lately. You know, this is one of those phrases that's very popular, and I think I probably said it myself, but I find myself wondering, no, is that really a good way to say that? You know, a common phrase these days is something to the effect of Christ, the Christian life is not behavior modification. Mm-hmm. And so I agree with that in the sense of absolutely we're not justified by what we do. That's not the end goal is to uh, behavior modification is not the primary goal. But at the same time, you know, half of what Paul wrote to the believers was about how to behave toward one another. Right. And so, you know, I think some people kind of, I think some people resist a grace message because what they're hearing is, well, behavior it doesn't matter does, how you live. Yeah, behavior doesn't behavior matter. Behavior is meaningless. No, you, know, you know what I think the scripture for me that nails that um, is the Ephesians chapter 2, uh, verse 8, 9, and 10. For mm-hmm. by grace you must save through faith, is not of yourselves, is the gift of God, for we are God's workmanship. Yeah created for good works that he has planned for us to walk in. So in other words, he creates in us a path to walk forward that does affect behavior. Yeah. 
And so there's, but it's his work within yeah. us. It's not a, you know, it's, it's the old thing where, you know, I, I want to, I mean, I want to behave, you know, so I'm not against good behavior, yeah. but it, the issue becomes, I don't make my good behavior the predicate to get God's acceptance right. or God's love right. or justification. I've got all that. Yeah. It's just something that should be worked from the inside out. It should just come and out. Not from guilt, not from shame, yeah. but when we know the love of God, the, that love will be, you know, we'll, we'll find ourselves loving others and, and modifying our behavior. So there's nothing wrong with modifying, you know, with behavior modification, yeah. Yeah. but it's not the, the starting point. Well, you know, and, and like we've, the, we just made the, the everything. Goal. We've made behavior the end all really. And, Many times it's like that thing circles. months ago. I saw it. I don't, I don't have them in front of me. That you know, almost all the Paul epistles can be outlined the same way. You know, yeah, it's kind of like yeah, yeah. Paul or something like grace, and then one of them was what was that one? It's kind of like for the love of all things holy, quit quit being stupid. Quit or being stupid. Yeah, yeah or something like that. And then the last one was like, tell Timothy yes, or Timothy says hey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Barnabas says hey. Yeah, Barnabas says hey. So yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> Hey, I've got another analogy, but you go ahead. I've been, well, I've been you know what about. the Laodicea syndrome is? I think this this whole Laodicea thing in, in Revelation 3, I think has really messed up a lot of Christians because we've, uh, you know, we've taken the scripture where Jesus says, you're neither cold or hot. And, uh, you know, and they, you know, he, he's, he's pretty hard on him. He's outside the door and all that. And we, talked about that a little bit but the the, you know, the whole thing with that is just really simple it's not that they weren't on fire for god or weren't enthusiastic enough or weren't working hard enough it was a church that just got to the point where they just did not need jesus mm-hmm. that's all that is i mean the whole laodicean thing is you can get to the point spiritually where you just don't need jesus well i got my discipleship principles in place i'm i'm i'm, I'm doing right i've got this going on or i'm being blessed in this area i just don't need jesus when you get to the point where you don't need Jesus, you've pushed him outside. Now, that doesn't mean he's not just presence, not in your life. But there's something where he's just not active in your life because you just don't need him anymore. That's the whole problem with what was going on with Laodicea. Very and that's, I mean, that's, I remember years ago, you know, it's kind of like there's this mysterious goal out there that I need to get to a point where I can just, the Christian life is easy and I can just, it's, I mean, in a way, yes, but in another way, it's kind of, it's almost like I need to mature to where I don't need God anymore. Now, I would not have said it that way, yeah. but that's kind of what we're, I think. Well, because, again, you that. focus on your behavior. If I just behave yeah. so well yeah. that I'm just, I'm, cru- I'm on cruise control now, you know? And uh, The um, good quote from Wayne Jacobson the other day, talking about um, uh, Old Testament versus New Testament, but he points out that the writer of Hebrews tells us, you know, that the children of Israel were not allowed to go into the, the promised land right off the bat. They had to wander around. And so, you know, Wayne talks about, you know, even in the Old Testament, you have the language of loving kindness and mercy and all that. And he says this, the writer of Hebrews tells us they could not enter God's rest, not because of their disobedience, but because of their unbelief. They did not trust his love and goodness and not believing in him. They continued to look to false gods and foreign powers to comfort them. But it is interesting, the children of Israel, and I think it's the same thing is true today, we don't experience some of the, the, the blessings of God not because we're doing bad things, mm-hmm. but because we don't believe he's that good. We what, just we uh, unbelief. We don't. Well, see wasn't the that the living. whole issue with the older son? I mean, yeah, he didn't. He you know, he's he's all upset because the father is so good to the younger son who messed up his life, and you know, he's, you never threw me a party. Mm-hmm. Where's my party? Yeah. And the father said, "What? Well, you got to have a party. What? You want a party? Okay. I mean, the, the problem wasn't on the father's end. Right. He was fine with it." 
is that the, the son never saw himself as a son. He saw himself as a, a hired hand that you know had to work and earn it. Have you seen that video, a YouTube video of Brendan Manning um, talking about what these absolute, it's not a long, it's just a little short segment. And, and I probably wouldn't say it quite like this, but I, I think he, I think he's on to something here or was on to something. Of course, Brendan Manning's written some really good stuff about father's love and all that. He, he says, I'm absolutely convinced that when I stand before Jesus or God, I forget what he says, he will ask me one question and one question only. And I, I wouldn't couch it as a, mm-hmm. that type of a conversation. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. that he will ask me one question and one question only. Did you believe that I loved you? Mm-hmm. And so I like the general tone of that yeah. and then the general yeah. message of that. Not that I think there's going to be an actual yeah. questionnaire type of right. thing at that point. Right. But I think that, I mean, that really is an issue. Do you believe, do you really believe that God loves you in spite of what's going on in your life, in spite of the hardship and all that, or what's going on in the world, even not in your mm-hmm. life, but in the world? Um, I mean, if there was ever a time where anyone had a time to doubt that it was Jesus on the cross. Yeah. And, you know, God didn't ever forsake him. You know, that Psalm 22, which quoted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But later on that same chapter, he says, you will not turn your face away from him. So I don't think, mm-hmm. you know. And so even in the midst of our darkness, you know, God still loves us, and we know that. And that becomes an anchor for everything else. So, Well, I've got something I, have, you know, I was going to ask about, but I don't know if I want to get into this towards the end or not. Have you got anything else? If not, I will. But um. I've got another little analogy, but I can save that to another time. Or, um, well, I think, and you may have mentioned this first. I forget what I, I think I did first hear this from you, but I kind of researched and looked it up again. But let's go to Revelation. All right, now I'm not an expert on the book of Revelation, <laughs> okay? But if you go to chapter 20, you know, that's where you have the lake, lake of fire and all that. And then you have the verse in verse 15 if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he's thrown in the lake of fire, okay? Um, and so you're tossed in. And then you get to chapter 21. And it talks about the gates of the city, and that's where it says, and we've talked about this in verse 25, the gates will never be shut by day, and there's no night, which means the gates never get shut. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the gates, so you got the city now, and the gates are open. Okay, fine. And then you get to verse 15 of chapter 22. Well, you have verse 14, blessed are those who have washed their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the gates of the city. Outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immorality, immoral the murderers of daughters now wait a minute i thought we tossed them in the lake of fire in chapter 20 so why are they showing up in chapter 22 mm-hmm. outside the city and i just don't know the answer to that question i mean what, what happened well, did they not get tossed in i heard someone recently pointing out that it's interesting those people are defined by what they're doing right by those actions and one of the thoughts is that that's not who they really are. That okay. These are children of God well, that don't know they're children of God. Maybe. And they're doing those things. But. Maybe. But anyway, here's, here's, what, here's, what I, here's, here's my question. And, and I don't know the answer to this. Um, I'll just tell you. It says, well, outside there's the dogs, the sorcerers, sexually immoral, immoral, the murderers, idolaters, everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're lying and you're like you're lying. Okay? And then you got verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the, everyone who is thirsty come. Let who desires take the water of life without price. Now, who is he talking to? Who is that? Is that in yeah. context? Who is that referring? Well, the ones there. It could be the ones that he's just referenced, the people yeah. who are even outside, yeah. the, and the doors are open. Now, what does that mean? 
I don't know what that means, but you know, we we twist this stuff around so that we just say, well, you know, the the spirit. They say, come. That's just that's just a modern invitation to the people who read this originally. The spirit and the bride say, come. Yeah. Could be, and, I, and I'm okay with with that, except for the context of that is there's people outside, and the spirit and the bride say, come. I think it was C.S. Lewis. I, mean, I think C.S. Lewis wrote something to the effect, not an exact quote, that the the the. Uh, the doors of hell are locked from the inside. Yeah. That there's this invitation type of type of thing. It's well, kind of like the you know the older son, the back to the prodigal son, the older father, the older son. It, the story ends abruptly. This, yeah. the, you know, we don't know what happened to the older brother. He's there. Yeah. He has the invitation to come right. in. Right. But we don't know what. In one more time, we just don't know right. everything. I mean, especially stuff like that. afterlife. I mean, we just don't <laughs> yeah. have this stuff nailed. There are a lot of open-ended questions in yeah. the Bible. And please spare me this whole thing where you've got the, all the truth and you're the ministry of truth and you're the, your, the name of your ministry is something, 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 truth of God. Well, yeah. you know, and you've got it all figured out. You know, oh, please. You know, and um, a lot of things we don't know. I think it's a lot of things we do know in Scripture. We do know what Jesus has done for us. We do know what he's paid for. We do know it's paid in full. There's a lot of things we know, but we do not know. No, everything even says we see through a glass darkly. Yeah, even says that point blank. Yeah, I think I think we're all in some, still in some degree of darkness. Yeah, you know, it's just varying degrees in different areas and blindness um, with that. And so, I mean, you know, we don't want. I don't. I think I don't think God lets a revelation get ahead of His love. You know, we want to know His love in our lives. Not that he, you know He doesn't have to give us any more love. We already you know love's already been poured in our hearts. But to know that, um, you know, I think that's a good prayer. God, you know, just open my eyes to know your love in my life. And then the revelation will come, and we'll understand what we need to understand yeah. at these yeah. points with that. But um, I'm with you on that. Read this the other day. So you believe the Bible, or I heard someone talk about this. You believe the Bible, right, Roger? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. You're, you don't want to deny the Bible? You want what? You're you're not going to deny the Bible. No. So you no, believe no. what the Bible says? Pretty much. Right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, okay. It says right here, um, um, talk about the faith that is in you. So is that talking to you? The faith that's in you. Yeah. Which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. So evidently, your mom's name is Eunice and your grandmother's name's Lois. That's in the Bible. It says your name, your grandmother, and your. Your mother and grandmother. So where are you going with this, Jeff? So we're, we're, what's our conclusion here? That, so that's Second Timothy 1. The conclusion is pay attention to who's talking to who when you read the Bible. Oh, <laughs> so boy. if someone says, I believe every word of the Bible, well, yes and no. You your know, grandmother you, Lois. You gotta, so Lois so, is the mother or the grandmother? Um, yeah, I had to look that up. Uh, the grandmother's Lois. The mother's Eunice. So. so if someone says, uh, a friend of mine put it on the Facebook the other day about you know the, the importance of knowing who is speaking to, and I, yeah. I, I, I still may do this. I said, no, wait a minute. You mean my grandmother's not named Lois? <laughs> oh, boy. So it is important when you read the Bible to know who they were talking to. I agree, uh, yeah. <laughs>